Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Scott. And welcome to the God or Not podcast where truth springs from argument among friends. This is Odin. And in three, two, one. Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Scott. And welcome to the God or Not podcast where truth springs from argument among friends. This is episode number 18. And coming up, Scott and I will be talking about free will. Woohoo! Also in this episode, spin that wheel. So grab your popcorn, sit back, and enjoy the show. All right. Keep that other part. Ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to the center ring. This is the God or Not Podcast. We're in for a great night of civil discourse here as these two warriors are wrapped up and ready to go. First, in the red corner, hailing from the great state of Ohio, he's a conservative, a Christian apologist, and a pastor, the Minister of Pain, Jamie Goodlett! And in the blue corner from Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes, he's a progressive, an atheist, and a math teacher. He's a weapon of math instruction, Scott Dickey! And now, let's get ready to dialogue! Okay, Scott. 18, episode 18. Um, All right. This is the uh, start of season number two. So yeah. Yeah, uh, for those had... of you uh, joining us, um, you know, we had a good run uh, <laughs> uh, for season one. And we had a bit of a break. We had a lot of things going on. Partially, COVID, partially intentional yep. and partially, partially <laughs> was unintentional. Right, right. <laughs> we had uh, COVID, of course, the big, big to do. Everybody knows about that. But that, right, that, right. that is... Uh, that is now on, uh, at least it appears in the U.S. to be on the downswing. So Hopefully, yeah, fingers um, crossed. We also had some uh, a change in political uh, parties, right? Oh, so yeah. Democrats yeah, a, yep. beat the tar out of the Republicans uh, Yeah, took both the House, the Senate, and, um, and the presidency. Yeah, so, both of those yeah, things. All of those things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so 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 it's so it's been a little while. We're we're is. happy to be back and, and get rolling on on season two here. Hopefully, we will have some uh, uh, good topics coming up in the in for season two. All right. Well, it's good to be talking to you, Jamie. We yeah. have been kind of recording off and on, and so we we've been doing some recording during our quote unquote hiatus here. Um, I don't know. It's just our both of our worlds just get kind of crazy, and it, it gets hard to do and. And, uh, you know, and it but didn't seem to get crazy at the same time either. So, right, right. But that's just how it works. And we knew that going into this podcast that we both had lives, both had families, both had right, work. Right. And we were going to do what we, we, the best we could. And you know what? I, I think it would be cool one, one time if we do kind of a behind the scenes episode of just how like the struggle <laughs> is real, man. The struggle is real. Yeah. Like, with, with you and I, um, having these tough conversations and like our stick to like, if anything, we are stubborn SOBs, uh, <laughs> both of us, because we like, we're sticking with 
something that I think most people would have abandoned uh, a, a long time ago. Right, right. We knew we knew it wasn't going to be an easy thing to do, and and so um, so I suppose as much as we complain about it, it's really all self inflicted. <laughs> that is so, true. So so we really have no complaints here. <laughs> That's so. true. So. Well, we, so I appreciate everybody who's listening, both of you, that uh, you know, putting up with our compl- <laughs> our, our endless complaints yeah. about just how everything is. Just our lives are just so oh, difficult, bother. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, bother. So, uh, speaking of difficulty, I'm not sure how that transition's going to work, but very we're, smooth. We're, we're talking about free will. <laughs> so, uh, right. Uh, and this everybody's episode, favorite topic. Yeah. And this ep- it's actually something we don't think about very often. Uh, we just kind of uh, intuit. We, we kind of just think that we have this kind of free will. We don't mm-hmm. think much about it. But, man, it is definitely a, a, a treasure trove of just uh, you could you could really get in the weeds in um, a lot of different right. aspects as it comes to, comes to free will. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. And, Jamie, no, I'm not interested in making another whole entire podcast just about free will, just so you know. <laughs> I, I know I know. I could, I could see that twinkle in your eye. Uh, yeah. you, you wanted to go down that road, and I, I can't. I just can't do it. I can't do it. No way. No way. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're going to do that, so uh, let's, uh, let's get on with our getting on. This is the main event. Well, Scott, we are sitting here freely tonight to discuss <laughs> uh, free I will. Freely am. Yes, and, yes, and what that means, and it actually has some, um, I guess, some pretty big implications um, when you kind of look at the big picture. But it's something that we don't well, sure. always give it a lot of thought. You know, right. it's, I mean, it's, it has a lot to do with with our humanity. I mean, you know, it's kind of kind of core to how we view ourselves as individuals and as thinking agents and as and you know, think as beings that are interacting in the world and so on. So, yeah, I think it's it's not uh, it's not something to be sloughed off. I don't think. Right. Yeah, this is something good to talk about when you like when we're looking at um, naturalism. And um, theism, obviously, mm-hmm. these things play a major factor within both worldviews. And in particular, mine, um, because we as well within theism have people who believe in free will, obviously. But then mm-hmm. we also have people within my camp that believe in right. your, you know, kind of the idea of compatibilism and determinism, like fatalism almost, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is... Uh, like you're leading a scripted life, right? Which is interesting that that um, we have all three of those as well: free will, compatibilists, and determinists uh, in our camp as well. So this is definitely something I'm familiar with from a theological sense, and mm-hmm. obviously debating my um, Calvinistic brothers and sisters <laughs> uh, who are obviously either compatibilists or determinists, but. Before we get to so so a Calvin just Calvinist of course being uh, among other things they believe that uh, you know like we were talking about like with the scripted life right is yeah, that they, everybody's fate is predetermined and that and, God has foreordained uh, right. every er, everything that would come to pass and some people are are more 
you know, obviously there's a big swath of um, right. di- different, you know, uh, ideas yeah. as far as how much right. God controls. But before we get too deep into the muck, why don't we um, talk a little bit about, you know, why is this such a big deal? And like I said, we don't talk about it very mm-hmm. often, obviously in philosophy and theology. Uh, obviously, this is something that's uh, more in, in on the front lines, but just right. in everyday layperson or everyday, um, you know, um, family or work. And I mean, it's not like these things come up very often. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't go, you know, start up a conversation with somebody at a bus stop. So what do you think about free will? Do, do you think we're really freely here? Or, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a, a few things that I think that free will has some, some pretty big implications in, All right. in some specific areas. So like, for instance, I think that um, genuine free will might uh, mm. give our lives meaning Mm-hmm. And um, what I mean by that is that it seems to me that if we are completely determined to do certain things and we know that we're completely determined to do certain things, it seems like our choices don't feel as genuine. And so um, I, I guess you may call this kind of a pseudo, maybe a pseudo meaning, but it mm-hmm. uh, under the idea that we're truly free and we can make these choice. Like I can actually choose who to love. You know, I actually pick uh-huh. my wife. And and so those seem um, to have uh, at least on the surface, um, a more kind of g- genuine appeal. Like it, it really does seem that there is this love between me and my wife. It isn't just mm-hmm. a bunch of chemicals moving around. Um, well, those two things aren't necessarily exclusive, but, but I know what you mean. Yeah, true, you know, you're, you're saying yep. so, like, like you're being a participant, right? You're being right. a participant in, in the in the way the events unfold in front of you, and, and like you have a uh, some kind of a sense of control or that you matter, right? And, so that, yeah, is and that it might not mean? even, yeah, and it 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 might not um, actually contribute to having more meaning in your life, but it gives the appearance of, you know what I'm saying from kind of from that perspective, it at least seems like if I'm truly free to make decisions, that those decisions would be more meaningful than if I wasn't free, you know, that if I was like fated to do something like that, especially more meaningful to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it might it might make no difference whatsoever to like a bystander or something, whether right. or not yeah, you're, that's what you're the a first robot person. or yep. first person. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And then um, also um, we we do have a sense, too, as a society where, where we and both you and I uh, believe in um, objective moral values and duties. And so we actually uh, can can pin like blameworthiness on somebody or, or praiseworthy. So somebody does something good, uh, mm-hmm. as a society, we can attach this, Hey, uh, good job. Like you really, you really did a good job. Or if somebody does something horrific, it seems that under free will, if we do have free will, the ability to do otherwise that we mm-hmm. actually chose to do that horrific thing. And we, um, we deserve blame and, um, so it seems that free will helps with that. Um, also, we it see- certainly gives us a, a, a justification for for right. thinking that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and and we see in 
obviously we talked about in religion, um, but also in in science and in rationality. You know, if everything that I think of um, uh, about everything I think about everything, I'm sorry, everything I think of and think about, if all those things are uh, determined. Um, it, that, that seems now, obviously this is something we might get into later, but that seems to throw this idea that I could come to a rational conclusion out the window, like that I would be able to sit and contemplate on two different ideas and actually choose the one I think is, um, the more rational idea as opposed to, well, that was just the, the next domino that fell and kind of, you know, I was fated or determined to mm-hmm. choose that one. Do you have yeah, I don't uh, know, anything I, you want I don't know to if, yeah, add in there? I don't, know if I, I don't know if I would agree with that last point. I think that, uh, you know, rationality is, would be a, a separate issue from, from free will. I, I would think that, like, for example, um, you could program a, a primitive computer program. You could, I mean, that could make a rational choice. And, you know, that could make a rational, that can survey options. It can do things like assess risk and, and reward and that kind of thing. It, it can look at, uh, you know, it can uh, apply uh, situations to known like logical forms and things like that. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, as far as rationality is concerned, um, you know, that may or may not, you know, free will might not necessarily impact that. Now, it would certain, it would certainly uh, affect, you now we talked before about responsibility and praiseworthiness mm-hmm. and so on. Um, you know, it, it, it would affect how we judge, you know, whether or not something has a free will, uh, you know, then we might be able to, you know, say, oh, that was nice thinking or, or that was a good job, you know, way to figure that out, you know, right. way to go, that kind of thing. But you probably wouldn't want to, you know, you wouldn't do that for, to your word processor for correctly, <laughs> right. you know, italicizing the oh. words that you selected and things right. like that. Right. But then right. so, and so, you know, depending on, wh- you know, which way you want to go with the, right. with those phrases, it might, it may or may not impact. So right. that's the only thing I wanted no, to that, add there. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And so, I mean, we, we have this whole, um, this whole category of, of free will and compatibilism and determinism. And these things uh, seem to be, uh, you mentioned earlier, like one of the most intuitive experiences that we have as humans. I mean, it just seems um, so foundational to, mm-hmm. um, to who we are, you know, and we have people um, that have a, of a variety of ideas when it comes to free will. We have people such as myself that believe in this, um, thing called libertarian free will. We'll define that in a minute. Uh, basically that I, I actually, in some circumstances, I'm able to choose. And there's other uh-huh. people that say, no, 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 no. You, you can't choose anything. This is, this is all kind of determined. And then they have other people kind of in the middle. And, um, and, and we'll talk about that as well. So why don't we start by um, uh, with the definitions? Um, I think that's have, an excellent place to have, start. We I have, think. yeah. I've we, seen I've seen lots of discussions about free will go down the tubes because people are talking past, past each, each other. other. Yeah, and uh, so I think yeah, so I think it's important to nail down some definitions here. So the um, the the definition of free will that I think that most people think of when when they think of free will is that there are certain things that I, uh, Jamie, my my center of consciousness. Mm-hmm. gets to determine or choose. 
So I think that's what the layperson thinks of when when they think of uh, this free will or libertarian free will. It's this sense that whatever is the center of my consciousness, you know, whether that be the brain, if you're a naturalist, or my soul or my mind as a theist, whatever that center is, that 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 thing, that person or entity actually gets to make some choices. Um, mm-hmm. I would say the best definition of free will, the one that I find the most appealing, is that um, a person has the ability under certain circumstances to choose uh, among a range, a range of alternative options, each of which is compatible with one's own nature. And so let me break that down a bit. So a, a person has the actual physical ability under certain circumstances. So there may be certain instances when um, I, I don't have any choices. Um, mm-hmm. And so so th- there's n- no choices for, for me to really make. Uh, there are certain genetic things that, that um, we'll get into later on that, that we can talk about that um, – make it so that uh, that particular aspect of me isn't necessarily free. And there's certain environmental mm-hmm. issues that kind of corral me into going down uh, a one lane um, mm-hmm. alley, you know, so, but under certain Actually, I got I, I have, I have a, I, I can, I think I can illustrate what you're trying to say there. Yeah. And, th- and this, this reminds me of many, many years ago. I don't know if you, I, I may have mentioned this to you before, but you remember uh, the internet infidels, infidels.org oh, yeah. oh, is like yeah. a website. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they had, a, they used to have a discussion board. I can't remember if I've discussed this on the, on the podcast or not, but years, I, I don't know if they still have a discussion board anymore, but they did at one time. Um, and there was a, there was a time when I, I was one of the moderators and I moderated the religion and the philosophy boards there. And I was one of several, you know, it was one of like mm-hmm. 30 moder- right. moderators or 50 or however many that they had. But, um, and so, uh, so I, I, I would see many, many discussions about free will. And I came up with, a uh, uh, with a couple of different, uh, um, um, thought experiments. And so, so I, one of them was this. Now imagine that uh, you're standing in front of a door. Okay. So you're standing in front of a door and the idea is that you're going to go through the door. You're going to walk around the room inside, inside for a while, and then you're going to go out a door on the other side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but in this case, the room is just totally pitch dark. You can't see a thing. Okay. So, so what you do is, is you do that. You just, you open the door, you can't see anything. You walk in the room, you just kind of walk around, you know, wherever you're going. And then you find the door at the other side and you walk out the other door. And then, uh, so imagine now looking back at the room and then somebody turns the lights on and you see that the room doesn't have a floor at all. What it has is uh, like a, a bridge, like there's this path and it just so happens that the path was exactly the route that you happened to walk. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that would be a case where you actually did not have any, you did not have any options. You didn't right. have any, there were no choices to be made there. Right. Um, you know, cause you know, maybe there's fences along the side of the, of the walkway or something like that. And so you, you, but you made your decision. You, I mean, I don't think anybody would argue that you were still acting freely. Right. So you know, it, your you, choice you didn't bump was, up against you, up any, any, yeah, any so of the So you actually chose to go that way. However, right. you couldn't have gone any other way. 
Right. Yeah. Right. So there was no other option, no no uh, options to choose from. It wasn't like I had chocolate ice cream and vanilla. Uh, right. all, all Carissa had in the freezer was chocolate. And she said, hey, you could have chocolate or vanilla. And I chose chocolate. Um, uh, had I chose vanilla, I wouldn't have been able to have it because there wasn't any. But um, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So there are it's, certain it's, times when you can't make uh, or you don't right. have free will because you're, you're not making those choices. Exactly. Yep. Um, and then we talk about um, something that, uh, again, isn't necessarily a, a it doesn't have to be a part of libertarian free will, but often is, is that we we, we get to choose from uh, among a range of alternative options, you know, so to have this ice cream or that ice cream or to wear a jacket outside in the morning or not and things like that. So a lot of the times when we think of free will, these mm-hmm. are. This is one of the main components. Um, right. It doesn't have to be, but it, we often think of it that way uh, because obviously a big part of free will is 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 choosing, and so mm-hmm. that's what we think of. And then, um, lastly, in the definition there, um, that these these range of alternative options are um, all compatible with my own nature. So obviously, I can't freely choose to fly. Like mm-hmm. flap my arms and fly because that's not, I, I mean, it's not in my nature to do that as a human being. And so mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to make that choice. And so free will in the definition I like basically is that there are certain times when we really can choose um, mm-hmm. from a, a, a range of options that are compatible with our human nature. What do you think right. of that? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I, th- I think uh, the, I mean, rather than focusing on whether or not we have the options, I, I would focus mostly on the idea of being in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, like, I, like the like that, like my um, thought experiment kind of illustrates, right? It doesn't. You, we didn't necessarily need to literally have other options, right? Right. What, the, the, but the point is that you know the quote unquote the person at the helm, right? Was right. Was was you? You weren't being forced uh, into doing things from from outside of yourself. Right. Um, and there was a second. There was a, a kind of a, a second uh, thought experiment as well. And and this one goes like this. So now it's an it's another situation similar that you're going to go through the door. You're going to walk around the room. You're going to go out the other side. Let's say just for diff, you know for to make it different. Let's say the lights are on this time. But somehow, okay. So this uh, mad scientist or something manner manages to sever uh, your connection to your body without your knowledge, okay? Without your knowledge. So maybe mm-hmm. they did something to you in your sleep or something. They disconnect whatever it is that you're using to control your body mm-hmm. uh, to, from the rest of your body, and they've put in a, uh, a remote control instead. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so you're not actually controlling your body, um, but and, and so it's somebody else controlling your body. But let's say that the other the other thing that's controlling your body is this computer program that we've programmed in such a way that it perfectly mimics your decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay, it it can it can it can perfectly imitate you in every situation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so so you open the door and you feel. I mean, you you like you're like, oh, I'm going to walk in and, and your body responds. And so and you like, I'm going to turn left and then your body turns left and you're thinking I'm going to turn right and your body turns right. So in that case, I would say that and, and you know, I, I think that you would agree that you're not exerting um, uh, a free will. And again, I think it focuses on the idea of 
of control, right? Mm-hmm. So you, uh, you know, you want to do something and then that's what your body does and you want to do something else and that's what your body does. And so I, I think that kind of uh, accents, I, I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it differs really, you know, significantly from what you were saying, mm-hmm. but it just puts a slightly different, uh, you know, shines the light from a different angle, if, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, so you were basically saying that, that that somehow the mad scientist now was was controlling you via this via this program, um, right? As, as opposed, right. so so you as your center of consciousness. So um, you thought you were still you thought right, you were right. still in control yeah, right. of your you body. Were, you, yeah, you thought you were there, but uh, the lights right. were on and no one was home. Right, gotcha. Right. Yep. Um, so when we look at uh, free will, a couple of things we kind of want to hash out right right away is that that when I say that there are certain things that. Um, you know, that, that we can't control. Obviously there are things that, that we do have free will, but there's other things such as uh, genetic and environmental circumstances. So when we talk about um, genetic absolutes, right? So Mm -hmm. when we, when we speak of that, we're talking about the color of my skin or my height. Obviously I had no say in, in, in those things. They just, were what they were. I were. I was born with them genetically. Well, short of short of like cosmetic surgery Correct. and things like Correct. that. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah. when we talk about, uh, there's also these what, what I would call ge- genetic uh, predispositions, which mm-hmm. which means that we're predisposed to them, so we have an inclination towards them genetically. Like you know how they say that some people, you know, their, their grandpa was an, an angry old. Uh, buzzard and, and the dad was a mean old man and now mm-hmm. you're an angry uh, adult you know so like genetically they say that there's uh you know there could be a lot there that is is passed down mm-hmm. well, we would still say you have free will over that but that you have an inclination towards um you know towards anger or whatever so that would be different uh, a predisposition would be different than an absolute. An absolute, there's no way I could change that in terms of like my height or something. Mm-hmm. A- apart from like, uh, like you said, going something, doing something crazy, like I don't know, Michael Jackson ish, and then that wouldn't really be um, my freely choosing my genetics. That would be an alteration of. So. Right. Um, then we also talk about so the, we have, those are the genetic things, but then we also so, have- so it's like it's like it's like distinguishing between something that's merely a contributing factor, mm-hmm. like like you know your genetic predisposition to anger, or to lose your temper, or to be nervous, or, mm-hmm. or whatever, versus uh, a dominant you know an overwhelming something genetic. is almost hardwired. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like. Yeah, like I can't you know bend my elbow backwards. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. right. No, that's or good. That's least- perfect. Right, because it you know because it only goes a certain I could you know, distance, but, but right, but I would be I would be taking some huge um you know just like you know if I wanted to my right. height height to change either shorter or taller I would really have to take some serious. I, I suppose you could chop your legs off at the uh, knee I, I or something. Could, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we have those genetic things, but we also have environmental issues, right? Mm-hmm. So we have um where I would like environment, what I call environmental absolutes. These again are things that I had no free will over, like where I was born or who my parents were. Those are things that are, were just kind of given to me. And I, I, it's not like I could choose that. Obviously Mm -hmm. maybe you could choose that down the road if you were adopted or something like that, but you know what I mean? Your, your biological parents. Um, Right. And then there's 
uh, less of um, uh, of an issue pertaining to free will, and that's the environmental influences. So those are things like your friends. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we do have free will over who we choose as friends. And so, uh, it, and those friends could have an impact on well, us, right? Yeah. Within, within, I mean, so, like some, sometimes, you know, you might want to be friends with somebody, but they don't want to be friends with you. Sure. Right. You, know, right, you don't right. really have any control over that. Right. But. No, I can't control other people. But as far as my deciding, you know, right. if I have yeah. a, a bunch of people to pick from, I, I'm able to kind of do that. And I would consider that more of an influence, obviously, not an absolute. Um, it's right. not like my friends are giving like, hey, Jamie, here are your friends. And these, you know, these are them. And, y- you know, you have no choice in it and you can't choose otherwise. So those right. th- those are what I would say is someone who subscribes to libertarian free will are those are the things that that would influence you both genetically and environmentally. So right. nature and nurture. Right. So would right. you say um, that, that that sounds pretty good as far as the definition of free will and the contributing environmental and genetic influences? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's going to be lots of things that are contributing to your decisions. And like, like I said, there's going to, you know, it, to me, it seemed it, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, break them up the same way you did. I, w- I would basically say that, you know, there's going to be a variety of things contributing to your decision. And some of them are going to have a stronger influence and some of them are going to have a weaker influence. I, um, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, with you mm-hmm. separating them into disposi- predispositions and absolutes, but I would describe it more as maybe a spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's tons of gray area in between. You know, there's there are right. strong predispositions, and then there's very strong predispositions, all the way up to the extreme end. You know, uh, you know, physical deformities in your in your brain and that kind of thing. And and um, I know that's going to be coming up in a little bit, though. Right. Um. But yeah. But I, I would I would describe it more as a spectrum. But I think it's uh. You know, I think we're we're at least talking you know about the same thing there. So our our audience has kind of heard my little uh, definition of free will. So why don't you mm-hmm. uh, tell us and explain to us? Um, I, I know that you pretty much agreed with my definition, but obviously you'll use some different verbiage. So why don't you tell right. uh, everybody kind of what your definition of free will is? Sure. Sure. And, and keep in mind that uh, my definition was born out of, I mean, arguing about whether or not, I mean, it's kind of the the trendy thing to, you know, to for somebody to be a, a free will denialist, you know, they'll be saying, oh, hey, we don't have free will. And, uh, you know, to me, it just seems like, you know, somebody's dra- trying to look smart, you know, mm-hmm. saying we don't, ha- you know, we don't have free will. And then they'll, then they'll explain why we don't have free will and, and so on. Um, but, you know, so my, so my definition here is kind of born out of, you know, that combat zone. And so, um, and um, one thing though about libertarian free will, and this may be just the the people that I've been discussing with, you may or may not agree with this, but the idea about libertarian free will is that there's no outside causes and that the ultimate cause of, of your action uh, is, is comes from you, you know, comes from within you. And, and that um, the idea being that if you, if you rewound the, the universe and played it back again, that even under identical circumstances, you still might make a different decision at that point. Right. You could have influences um, in and on your life, um, but those influences ultimately are not the determining factor. Now, they may influence 
your decision, right? But they ultimately aren't the thing that makes the decision. So one of the things I always like to, to give an example when I'm talking about this is there were multiple times um, as a fireman when mm-hmm. we would pull up and they're like, yeah, there are kids inside. And I look at this thing and it's like Satan opened his mouth and the gates of hell and fire and fury and flame are bearing down on us. And it's like, man, I love fighting fire. I mean, I love fighting fire, but this is, this is, this is crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like it, sometimes it's hotter than two pecker goat. You know what I'm saying? Like it's hot and it's crazy <laughs> and everything. I'm in learning me, so much about you, right? Jamie. I'm learning so much about you. And, and everything in me is saying, no, um, you know, that outside influence is saying, no, 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 you don't want to be any part of this, uh, but I'm able to override that. Mm-hmm. as being the source of my my will. So we do have those environmental influences, and often they do direct um, our lives in terms of we don't often override things. You know, we don't think mm-hmm. of it kind of in that way. We just kind of, I don't want to say we go with the river, go with the flow, uh, but but there are those instances when uh, when everything in you is screaming to do X, Y, or Z in that environment those influences are strong, but then you're able to override that because you are the source of your of your uh, will. And so I, I think that right. was a good distinction that you brought up, that you are the, the, the primary mover, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the idea being that, like I said, uh, you know, even under identical circumstances, you still might make a different decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that I, I would define free will, and this is kind of a loose distinction, uh, a loose definition. If you want to dive deeper into any particular part of this, uh, we certainly can. But it's the idea that uh, you, you know, your mind or your brain op- operating normally under normal circumstances is the most significant proximal cause of our actions. Okay. So I, so there's two, two phrases in, or three things in there that are important. One, operating normally. Okay. So mm-hmm. your, your mind is not under outside influence. You're not under the influence of drugs. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're not under the influence of, you know, uh, a mind control mad scientist who severed your (laughs) your head from your body Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, Significant. Okay. So there's going to be a bunch of things that, that contribute, you know, there's, there's, you know, a hundred different things that contribute to the death of this person in front Mm -hmm. of me. But the most significant contributor to that death was me pulling the trigger on a gun aimed at that person. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and the third thing then is going to be proximal cause. Okay. Proximal cause. And so then we also look at, um, well, there are things that motivated me to make that decision, you know, and we could, we could argue, you know, you've heard, heard things like, well, you know, it's society has it had an impact on that person. And mm-hmm. then, so that's where the idea of these, uh, what you were mentioning before about these different predispositions or absolutes, or I described it as a spectrum, you know, it's just influences that are, some are stronger, some are weaker. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, yeah, so that's basically, like I said, in a nutshell, if you want to dive deeper, we can, that our mind or our brain operating normally is the most significant proximal cause of our action. Now I know that I used some uh, fuzzy words in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, most significant is not something that uh, you know. You, there's not like a a numeric scale we can we can read that on and proximal mm-hmm. cause. You know that's that's not necessarily clearly defined. But you know, you know, I I that was intentional on my part because mm-hmm. I think that it can be 
uh, it can be a, a challenge to distinguish between two, you know, closely similar situations, mm-hmm. you know, which one specifically has free will and which one specifically doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. like if you had two identical copies of me, one of them had just drank a glass of wine and the other one didn't, you know, it might not be clear, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if one of us is more responsible for that car wreck than the other one, you know, right. that kind of thing. Right. And so, um, so anyway, so that's, that's basically, um, you know, the way that I would approach uh, free will there. Okay. So 40 minutes into the podcast, that's our one definition <laughs> of free will. <laughs> I feel like we spent like the first whole chunk on defining free will, but I guess that's kind of important. And I'm well, sure I would that, say that's um, the most important part. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that then as we start to get into some of the nuts and bolts, obviously maybe this, uh, these definitions will probably come up again and some questions be asked. Uh, so, right. so we have free will that's on, I would say one end of the spectrum. Um, and the, the other end of the spectrum is what I would call exhaustive determinism or ED, mm-hmm. um, n- not erectile dysfunction. That's exhaustive <laughs> determinism. And, uh, right. I, and this is that kind is, of a play? On, was that, was that yeah, a strategic move on your no, part, choosing I just, those? I just came up with that, man. Like, I'm, I'm uh, on it okay. tonight, right? So anyhow. All right. So and, uh, you and I had uh, talked about this as well, that um, we would define this determinism that each state of the universe indicates or determines the following state. And if you had sufficient knowledge of the universe, uh, you know, all the working bits and parts and pieces at the present moment, you could know with certainty what would happen next. Obviously that is only in theory. Uh, I can't ever see how we could, that would ever be able to play out because there's so many moving parts, you know, but ultimately that is kind of what it means that. Oh, you mean as far as whether or not we can have all the knowledge. Right. Yeah. So many working parts. Of course. But um, obviously that's theoretical. We have, we have one domino, which knocked the next, which knocked the next, which knocked the next. And that's, uh, what we would consider um, determinism. Now right. there's this third sucker here, and this is where mm-hmm. the wrench gets thrown into stuff. Ah, right. And okay. uh, not only in in the debate between like theism and naturalism, but within, like I had mentioned, within my own camp with um, uh-huh. Calvinists, and some Calvinists take this particular stance, is what we call uh, compatibilism. And mm-hmm. um, compatibilism... Uh, is basically defined as the position that free will and determinism mm-hmm. are compatible. Right. Well, compatibilism within this context, there, you know, there are other kinds of compatibilism in other contexts, but as far as within what we're right. talking we, about, yeah, the that's, free will and the free will debate, uh, that's right, what we're right. talking about. That, that free will on the one yep. end of the spectrum and determinism on the other are, mm-hmm. are somehow, uh, compatible. And so, right. uh, um, and now, you see those as being on opposite ends of the spectrum? Well, I, I, just in terms of my being able to give uh, kind of definitions or, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, uh, obviously, we're going to get in some of the nuts and bolts um, right. coming up. But I did have a question, though, and I, I want to make sure, sure that you were on board with this, too, that um, determinism is a necessary component of compatibilism. Is that is, do you, would you agree with that? Um, well, I mean, it's not necessary because compatibilism could be defined in some other way, but you know, it's part of what, you know, in this context, if you, if like I would, cons- I consider myself a compatibilist and for the most part, a determinist. And so, you know, I, I don't think that there's any, um, any conflict between determinism and free will. Um, 
you know, if we're talking logical necessity, obviously not because words can mean different things. Right. And, right. and so, but yeah, if, if somebody, if we were talking about free will and somebody said, oh, I'm a compatibilist, I would assume that they meant that they were talking about, they think free will and determinism are compatible. Okay. Well, all I'm trying to get at is that, um, is that, um, it, it's not as if compatibilism is something wholly different that, but there is an aspect of, of, determinism that is is kind of packed within compatibilism that 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 is um like i was listening to um daniel dennett uh kind mm-hmm. of talk about this and how he was um talking about this idea that we have if you're a compatibilist that it's it's uh at least according to him that it it is that that is you will be a determinist you know what I'm saying? That, you just yeah, believe that, that's that what is your that's free what is will. meant by that word, right? right. Okay, yeah. And so that's all. I just want to make sure that you were okay with that um, aspect of it too. Um, you know, because I, I have actually, yeah, if I just if I say I'm a compatibilist, I'm I'm assuming that the the listener would would assume that I mean I'm also a determinist. Okay, it kind of goes hand in hand. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, anything you'd like to add before we move on to more? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, I just think, uh, you know, I, you know, you were talking about, you were describing, uh, free will and determinism as, as different ends of a spectrum. And of course, a compatibilist, mm-hmm. um, and, and part of this has to do with the way that, um, the, you know, the way that, uh, free will is defined, you know, like I said mm-hmm. before, very often, it's just an argument of people just talking past each other. And, and I know it seems like that we've been kind of, you know, in lockstep so far with, with we, you know, we've agreed with, with our definitions, but, um, you know, I think, I think that there's going to be some, so, there's going to be a rub coming up at some oh, point yeah. here soon. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think the rub is coming up now. Anyhow. Yeah. So all right. I, I do have some questions for you. So sure. I think my position is, um, so like free will seems in- intuitive. Um, it mm-hmm. really does seem like we have these choices and that, that there isn't, now, when I talk about influences on our choices, I mean both external and internal. Okay, uh-huh. so um, I think you only included external, correct? Well, I well we had only talked about external okay. influences. Okay. I'm assuming that you know the decision making process itself involves a lot of reflection and a lot of back and forth even within your own mind you talked about you know standing there facing a fire having like a little you know it's almost you know it's like on the cartoons when they would have the little angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other shoulder right that's just that's just to represent our internal kind of discussion with ourselves you know should i do this should i not do this what are the outcome that way what's the outcome that way you know and, and so there are definitely uh you know, internal and self-reflective uh, influence as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So let me let me ask you this: um, If determinism is is true and is a component mm-hmm. of this compatibilism, I mean, do you th- think that we are really free in the way that most like lay people understand that that kind of freedom? Yeah, yeah, I, d- I do. And and here's why. I think that, you know, we talked before about, um, you know, the idea of control 
right? The, of control. And so, and so, yeah, I mean, there's going to be things that influence my decision-making process, but it all funnels through me, mm-hmm. right? It all funnels through me. And so, and so, um, you know, nobody else's brains are, contr- are hooked up to my muscles, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and so nobody else can control me like the mad scientist can. Right. And so, and so that's a separate situation. And so even if I don't actually have other decisions to make, even if, even if, um, I actually couldn't make another decision. Now, I'm not even saying that that, that has to be the case. It mm-hmm. doesn't, uh, determinism doesn't mean that you can't make decisions. Um, it right. just means that, um, you know, if you know all of the information from one moment, you can get, you, you can predict with perfect certainty what will happen the next moment. Um, uh, just a brief side note here. How long have you been married? 13 years. 13 years. Okay. So you've been married 13 years. I think I've been married for 18 years or so, but I'd, you'd say that probably, you know, your wife pretty well mm-hmm. and, um, or at least, you know, her more than you did when you first got married or when you first met. Right. So mm-hmm. maybe if you go to a restaurant, you know, I, I don't know about you, but if, if I go to a restaurant with my wife, I can open up the, uh, the menu and I can, I can know what she's going right. to, what she's going to say, Yeah, you know, and obviously not with perfect certainty, but pretty darn good, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. en- enough that I would, if I were a betting man, I would bet on it. Um, and, and certainly much more so than, um, when we first met, you know, when I first met, I didn't know anything about her, but over the years, of course, we get to know each other. We learn, you know, the particular patterns. We learn to recognize things like mood. We mm-hmm. learn to remember things like, oh, she was saying yesterday, she, you know, she had a hankering for a hamburger, stuff like that. Right. And so, um, so the idea that you can, uh, so when we're talking about determinism, um, it's, it's, and we need to be careful because we don't want to commit a modal fallacy here. And a modal fallacy is, conf- is confusing the idea that something will happen with the idea that something must happen. Okay. So there, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. If something will happens, that just means it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And if something must happen, that means that no matter, you know, even if things were different, it's still going to happen. Right. It, it's, you know, we must die. You know, it doesn't matter what, you know, what, what we do, you know, we're going to die at some point. Well, I suppose it's, it's possible that we could, um, you know, have limitless life, but given that the universe eventually is going to, you know, there's going to be a heat death. Mm -hmm. I I think it's pretty safe to say that's pretty safe bet, right? Right. Isn't that the old saying? So the only sure things are taxes and death. Right. right? And so, um, so the idea, so that's, so we want to, we don't want to fall into the trap of saying that, well, just because we know something will happen doesn't mean that it must happen. Mm -hmm. Just because I know that my wife is going to order the death by chocolate off of the menu for dessert. (laughs) That doesn't mean that she has to order that. Right. Um, and, and so even if I were to crank that up to 100% certainty, even if somehow I knew everything about the situation, um, that doesn't that doesn't all of a sudden break some, you know, break down her ability to decide. Right. And right. so when we're talking about determinism, it's not the idea of of the universe being forced a particular way. You know, the, the way we describe the universe using the laws of science and laws of nature and so on. Um, it's not. Uh, a prescriptive descriptive it's it's a description right it's not prescriptive it's descriptive so so this is the way it's going to happen let me ask you just interrupt so i could get some clarity if we if we were to know the future like Mm -hmm. if we were able to predict things would we say at that point that it is prescriptive no no Uh, well not necessarily i suppose it could be um that that could having a prescriptive 
prescriptive future or prescripted future would be one possible way of knowing the future. Okay, but we don't necessarily know that that's the only possible way of knowing the future. But Maybe is that the magic. only but is that the only possible future? So that won't be the only possible future. That's the future that will happen. Mhm. And again, that doesn't mean that it must happen. It just means that it will happen. Okay. Okay, so there's a difference between something that will happen and something that must happen. Just like if we look back to the past, there are things that did happen. Right. Now, when those things did happen, we don't say that they must have happened that way. Right? So there's so there's a distinct just and and we can even know past events with relative certainty. Right? Even so even in those cases where we know where we have a you know a high degree of of uh, certainty that that events occurred, that doesn't mean that they had to happen that way. That doesn't mean that there were no other options. Sure, that just means that that's the way that they happened. Right? Okay, and so, so the the same thing goes for future events. Even if I knew with perfect certainty that my wife was going to order that death by chocolate, which is already a near certain decision, by the way. <laughs> um, but even if I knew with a hundred percent certainty that she was going to make that choice, yeah, that doesn't mean that she has to choose that. That just means that. She will choose that. Hmm. Okay. And so that so that's so that's that distinction there. I don't I don't know if I I, I think I've kind of forgotten your question. Yeah, am well. I straying for the question or am I answering it <laughs> no, somehow? I, mean, I, I see. So I guess Darn it. I, I was hope that was the answer. So, so what, so, I, was, all right, what so. I was kind of getting at is is um you can do what you decide to do, right? Right. But you cannot decide um what you oh so hold on let me see let me see hold on, let me get my thoughts right you can do what you want to do but you can't want what you want to want yes, is that yes, what you're you, trying to yes, say yes, okay yes. so so how does but as somebody who has libertarian freedom or someone who says we have that i would argue that um that there are certain when i can um you know um override those particular uh, things and 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 um, so like uh, for instance, a Calvinist, a, a Christian mm-hmm. Calvinist would say, um, "Oh yeah, we have you know we have free will." And I'm like, "Okay, well, w- w- you know what does that mean? Well, we're free to do. We will do our greatest. Des- you know, we, we, our greatest desire is 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 what we will do, but our desires are all um, ordained by God. Okay. So so are we really free?" Like yeah, that's my greatest desire, but my desires were right. well by God, and I would say as a naturalist, um, your your greatest desire is what you'll do. Um, mm-hmm. But as a, as a naturalist, d- doesn't nature or the universe determine what those desires are? Yeah, and I am the part of nature and the universe that does that determining. I mean, I'm but- part of the universe. I'm part of nature. But but and so yeah, so the universe does determine that, and the part of the universe that does that particular bit of determining is resting here on top of my shoulders. So, like when I think about um, determinism in a naturalistic sense, it it makes me think of dominoes falling, Mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, you know, f- from the beginning of the universe, dominoes started to fall, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, you find yourself uh, somewhere along the, the domino chain, um, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere in the middle of the domino chain, and these dominoes are going to fall, um, whether you choose right. them or not. 
So, so like the chemical, right. the current chemical so de- reaction in my mind to talk to you was mm-hmm. caused by the chemical reaction before that, which was caused right. by the chemical reaction before that, and so on and so forth, all the way back to before the universe or or when the universe right. came or whatever. So if mm-hmm. if one domino falling after that, I'm just trying to find out. I'm really trying to find clarity here. I'm not pushing sure. on you. I'm trying to find like if one domino causes the next to fall, which causes the next to fall. Like, mm-hmm. how is it that I freely choose which domino falls at this point? Because when we're talking about you in this in this analogy here with the dominoes falling, the part that you are is the arrangement of the dominoes. Okay, and so if the arrangement of the dominoes were different, then they would fall in a different way. But wouldn't the but aren't the arrangement of the dominoes determined? To some extent, yeah. So if if those are determined mm-hmm. and how they fall are determined, yep. Then where does my choice come in? Your choice comes in because the dominoes the 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 order of the dom, like I just said, you know, if the arrangement were different, then the dominoes would fall different, right? So you see, that's the difference between libertarian free will and compatibilist free will, or at least that's one of the differences, is that um, all I'm saying is that if I put you in this situation with everything, you know, set up exactly the same way, I can predict with perfect certainty if I had all of the you know relevant information what you're going to say. I could predict what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you had to do that because under different circumstances you would have done something different. And so if if there's something that you have to do, if there's something that you must do, what that means is that you will do that no matter what the conditions yeah, are. Yeah, so I think I could make a distinction there like when when we we when we bring it to a theistic concept or, or understanding what, what we would say is that God has what what is called this middle knowledge which is uh, God knows everything that is currently mm-hmm. God knows everything that will be the case and God also okay. knows everything that could be the case and we okay. would say that there were some some Calvinists would would push back against this and say well because God knows the future then all of our um, all of our actions are determined. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But we would say, no, no, you're, you're committing this fallacy here that just because because God knows the future doesn't mean that the, our future is scripted. Doesn't mean he scripted our future. It just means right. that he knows. And had we chosen differently, he would know that. Right. Right. But yeah. And, and I would I would agree with the Calvinist on that on that particular point, you know, knowing knowing that something is going to happen, just like I know if my wife's going to order the death by chocolate, although not to, you know, obviously it's not to 100 percent certainty like we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think it illustrates the point, at least, you know, knowledge of what's going to happen in the future does not mean that that's it, it doesn't mean it has to happen right, that way. Right, right. Yeah. So what I'm saying, though, is if 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 God determines all things right then then we're determined and we couldn't do otherwise um yeah so so it all boils down to how does god know right right so so and and so so if if god knows what you're going to do because he scripted it that way then yes you do not have free will so my question is is in this situation let me finish finish here good but if god knows what you're going to do or if god can predict the future because he knows everything there is to know about you, even even way more than you know about yourself. 
you know, that's a different, then you're, then you're, then you're not being forced. And so it's a difference between being, you know, pre-scripted to do something versus just somebody knowing what you're going to do. But I, I think we're talking about future events here, right? Yeah. But yeah, I'm not, about I'm, future not events. I'm not as concerned about future events as I'm concerned about past events, because what we're, what we're dealing with here is, is um, like if, if God were to determine all of mm-hmm. my actions, obviously then I'm not free. And I guess my assertion would be that that the universe, so to speak, has already or or in the past has uh-huh. um, chosen what you're going to do and in the future chosen what you're going to do. So no matter well, what decision you make, obviously that that's the decision you're going to make, but it's, it's not as if you could have done contrary to what the universe kind of had in mind for you. Whereas the libertarian free will would say you could do contrary to the chemicals and, you know, chemicals in motion. And, and I I would say this, that um, if we, if we take it back to our domino effect, if, if I can follow the path of dominoes and I know that this domino will fall in seven seconds, because, you know, because I can see the path. If the domino had to fall, if, if, if what we were describing were a, free, a situation where there were no free will, okay, mm-hmm. what that means is that the domino is going to fall in seven seconds regardless of what else is happening. Mm-hmm. That's what it means for something must happen. Mm-hmm. If this domino must fall in seven seconds, then it doesn't matter what the pattern of dominoes before it is. It will fall in seven seconds and, and there's no other option available, regardless of what else happens. Um, that's so that's a must happen situation in a will happen situation. Yeah, I, I know that this domino will fall in seven seconds. But the reason it's going to fall in seven seconds is because I can backtrack the dominoes all the way, you know, as far back as you want. Now, the universe didn't say didn't make your choice at the beginning of the universe. OK, what the what happened at the beginning of the universe is a series of events that would eventually lead to you making that particular choice. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't make the choice. It just means that if you have perfect knowledge of some, you know, if somebody had perfect knowledge of the situation, they could predict with certainty the choice you were going to make. That doesn't mean that you have to make that choice, because if you had to make the choice, then it wouldn't matter what happened in the past. Well, right? the, but the, if past, some, if something, the past events are the things that determine the current events. Right. So determinism, events determinism, determine it, yeah, determinism doesn't care about what must happen. The determinism refers to what will happen. Okay? Yeah. So I and think so, you're making so there's a, a dis- distinction I between think you're must making, and will. Yeah, I think you're making a distinction, though, that, that, that doesn't bother me, that I, I'm uninterested in. I know it's maybe important for the discussion overall, but I. Okay. Because I, I'm, I'm not, I think that um, what you will do is still determined by something other than that center of consciousness you call you. So it, it might be, and what I mean by that is so for a, a Christian would say that we have a soul. And that, mm-hmm. and that we have a mind. And so our soul um, m- makes choices and then uh, uses the brain as the instrument to move our body and, and work out those, m- much like a, a, a pianist would, would be um, 
you know, would be the soul and the piano would be the mind. And so we would say uh-huh. that our, the, the first mover there was the soul um, impacting the physical. But it seems to me that as an, a naturalist, you, you just have to say that there's the, this physical thing fizzed, which caused this other physical thing to fizz which uh-huh. caused the other one to fit. You don't have a choice over which one fizzes. It's just because six. I don't fell, have a, I don't have a choice fell. on what, you know, and yeah, because I, don't, seven I fell, don't have a choice. As, I don't have a choice as to what things are going to impact my decision, but I still have the decision, right? Free will doesn't mean you have to, you get to control the universe. No. I, and I don't mean free will like, is um, that it, free will, right? Means that you're the one who decides how you act. Right, but what I mean by that, though, isn't just you, your physical body, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I think everybody would say that um, unless I'm actually literally a puppet on a string or unless mm-hmm. I, I'm literally, you know, a mad scientist put some kind of software in my brain uh, to mm-hmm. force certain chemicals out to, to then manipulate my actions, I think everybody would say that their body is the the thing that makes those decisions. Yeah. But what and I'm that's saying, why we feel like we have free will. But what I'm saying though, is that, um, that your body is determined to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to change it, you couldn't because that's what your body's going to do. What do you mean by change it? Change it from what? Like, like whatever the, the, um, you know, so if domino four falls, mm-hmm. you can't s- stop the dominoes and change to a different track. If domino four falls, then domino five has to fall. And domino no, five has to domino- over six. You know, like there's a chain reaction no. going on in your brain that yeah, that see, has there, to happen, there you right there you committed the modal fallacy right there. If domino four falls, domino five will fall. Okay, but that's not say that's not to say that Domino Five must fall. Right. Well, see, so I'm right, but what I'm 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 not saying that it couldn't have been any other way. Okay, but what I'm saying is your decision wouldn't Mm -hmm. never have been any other thing. So I'm I'm not saying your 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 decision can't be different than what it is. I'm not sure what you mean by otherwise, though. I'm not sure what you mean. Um. So I I could have. So like tonight for dinner we had pizza. I could have mm-hmm. eaten anything else. I could have made leftovers right. or right. But if naturalism is true, um, mm-hmm. I had pizza for dinner tonight because I was gonna have pizza for dinner tonight. And there's there's no way around that. I couldn't have had leftovers because you I could've. was determined. You just didn't because I was determined to eat pizza tonight. Right, but you could have been determined to have leftovers. Right, so I could have been determined so to do that, but I was determined right. to do this. So to me, it just seems like, um, I don't want to say pushing the can back, or like a lot of people call this free will an illusion, you know, because mm-hmm. yes, you as your physical body are making these uh, decisions, but, you know, like, like, like what I said earlier, you know, you could freely choose what you want, but you can't freely choose what you want to want. And so ultimately y- your wants, right. your wants are the thing that, that make those decisions for you. Right. But well, yeah, you can, where I, I, I can, and where I can say, will. but I could say that um, 
wants aren't the thing that that make a decision because I could give you many times where I've wanted something but refrained or that I had a um well that those are cases where you wanted something else more no because there are instances when I really did want to run out of that fire more and every like I, right but you've also said you love fighting fires you I'm I'm sure you have a, a deep uh caring for the you know the people that are trapped in the fire right so there's a lot of things that are motivating you to you know why did you even become a firefighter if you knew that that was a risk right you you accepted that risk mm-hmm. and and because you wanted to make a difference in people's lives you wanted to help people's lives or maybe you just wanted to get chicks you know who knows what right. but but there but there's reasons there and they might not be the thing at the forefront of your mind but but it's important to you to to do the job you know to to because because you have you know you like to live up to your responsibility you don't bail on your responsibility you like to follow through on what people expect from you you right, don't want to you, know, you don't want to let those if, people down if a na- if those nat- are all wants in your in your right, but if, going if, those are all battling in your mind but on if, your shoulders the little angel and devil but if naturalism is true i can't mm-hmm. de- I, I can't make a decision on any of those those are already decided for me no, no, they're not decided until you make that decision yourself. Let, let me give you another example, okay? So I, talk, I talked about uh, free will being significant and proximal, okay? If I shoot somebody um, and, and so somebody says that I killed them, well, no, I didn't kill them. Um, the bullet traveling through their body killed them. Well, no, not the bullet traveling through their body killed them. Their blood loss k- killed them. Well, no, it wasn't the blood loss itself. It was the fact that, you know, the because they had so much less blood that they're there, you couldn't get oxygen to the brain, et cetera. You know, there's a, a million different things, you know, there, no matter what the, no, no matter what the origin, quote unquote, origin of the action is, there's still going to be, you know, there's still this chain, but we talk about significant proximal cause. Significant cause is me standing there with a gun. You know, we make a judgment. It's a subjective judgment that, that that's a, that's a significant chain, you know, link in the chain. Likewise, we would say, well, why, you know, why was I standing there with a gun? Well, maybe I was nervous because last night I saw a movie about, you know, people breaking into a house or, or, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe I have a, a genetic history of mass murderers or, you know, there, there could be a lot of things contributing to that, but still, we call that significant because that's where decision-making happens. And, 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 uh, in, Imagine this, okay? So imagine where I'm playing the life of of Jamie, okay? And uh, let's say I have this magical, uh, you know, like that Adam Sandler movie. I have this remote control. I can freeze the universe, okay? And so um, you're sitting there and you're deciding on what you're going to have for dinner. You know, you want to have pizza or do you want to have hot dogs or whatever, right? And so right before you say, I want to have, and then I freeze it right there. And then what I do is I take you out. And I put somebody else in. Okay, mm-hmm. let's say somebody from uh, a you know a vastly different uh, uh, culture, you know, yeah, culture, and you know, different part of the world. Maybe they think pizza is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so I take you out and I put in somebody else there, and then I hit play. Is it likely to be the same decision you are going to make? Probably not. Okay, and and so um, so we can so by just by hmm. that illustration alone. So, but what, we show what, that you what are you putting? You are the significant. You are the significant part of the universe, even though all of all of the all the everything all the events leading up to that decision were the same. 
All I had to do was switch you out and put somebody else in. So when you say that switch them that, out, what are you mm-hmm. switching out? I'm just take physically taking your body and moving it away. And I'm, you know, I'm putting them in there. I'm putting them in the same frame of mind as you were in. No, so I'm what, them I know, the same- but what are, what is that? Are you, are you changing their, the chemicals uh, in their mind to identically match the chemicals in my mind? No, and that's what that's what I'm talking about. So you're just the taking chemi- their brain and putting their brain in my body and taking my brain and putting it in their body. Sure. Yeah. Okay, that, so so yeah, the chemicals that would be fine. the chemic yeah, so they're gonna do now what they want. Exactly. Not what and I that want. illustrates my that illustrates my no, point. It, it just or, means that they're determined to the, the chemicals leading up to you moving their brain into my into my cranium. Uh, right. the, the chemicals in their brain are operating differently than, than the chemicals in my brain at that point in time. So it, it, exactly. Yes. I, I, yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't so, know what so, that and, proves other than the fact so, that you just took their desires. That, Hold on. Let me finish. You just took their desires. Okay. You just took their brain and, mm-hmm. and, and put that in. All you've shown is that someone else in the exact same circumstance would choose something different. But that's because they come from a different culture and they have different chemicals right. firing. Exactly. Yes. Well, I'm so talking about show- you, though. I'm talking about you. Like what that shows, what that shows is that the point the out of all out of everything in the universe, the significant proximal cause of that decision mm-hmm. was you. Okay, so when you say you, you, you mean my you, brain. You mean the chemicals firing in my brain. When you say you, that's what you, you mean. You, as in, as in your physical mass, your past history, everything that contributes, your personality, your, you know, your so what all you that ate is earlier that day, are neurons your, firing, your health, right? neurons firing well, in my brain. Uh, all those are as neuron firings exactly the same way that all the Mona Lisa is, is a bunch of paint on a canvas. Okay, well, that's what all, all I'm saying is, so, is yes. that, that so when that, you so say that's all you, it is, but it's the, it's the arrangement that's important. Okay, so when right? you, it's the arrangement that's important, that's significant, that makes it different. Somebody could have the, you know, I could take, the, I could even just take your exact same brain and just shuffle it up a little bit. If I, you know, if I stuck, you know, electrodes in your brain and I paused it right there and I zapped your brain with electricity and then I started it again, you might make a different decision. Right. And so it's not the, it's not the physical components. It's the arrangements that makes it you, that Hmm. makes it Jamie. Okay. Let's move on to another question or we'll never get through. Okay. uh, That's fine. So let me talk um, a little bit about um, this guy named Charles Whitman. So. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with this guy. He was, it's a crazy story. So the guy, um, in hindsight, he, he wrote a letter basically. And he said, listen, I haven't been feeling right in the head for some time and it's getting right. worse. I don't know what the heck's going on here, but Hey, you know, when this is all over, you need to take a look at my brain. Cause something doesn't seem right. I, this is just not me. Right. And it's, so he ends up shooting his wife. He or even killing, begged him. He yeah, even, he yeah. even begged him to, to, right. to cut his brain right. out. So, so yep. he did, he did, uh, you know, he, um, um, uh, killed his wife and then went up, um, into the university of Texas, Austin, into the clock tower there and, and shot uh-huh. like 18 people. Right. And so uh-huh. they found the note and they're like, yeah, what the hell? So they they cut open his thing. They do this autopsy and they find this this massive uh, uh, tumor and the the white matter there 
uh, of his brain, and uh, they strongly believe that that tumor is and was the um, the cause of his going kind of crazy in certain mm-hmm. circumstances. And so, I guess my question to you would be: What is what is different between this tumor situation? And our brains operating normally if, um, like in the case of the tumor situation, all we have is one chemical uh, working on another, another chemical, which works on another chemical. That's the exact same uh-huh. thing that's happening in our, in our brain as well. So how is it that, that we would say that his free will was um, inhibited? Because he had different chemical arrangements, but but our chemical arrangements somehow, um, uh, you know, uh, that we have that same kind of free will. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So, what was the difference between his brain and somebody else's brain? Right, right? it's just a lump of matter in his head, right? right. Chemicals and mo- his yeah. lump. His lump of matter had him shooting people, and my lump of matter has me, you know. Going opening a can of Coke or something, right? Yeah, chemicals you know, and what's the and, difference? Yeah, well, emotion, his right. the difference is his brain wasn't functioning normally. You know, our human brains don't normally have giant tumors in them that you know apply pressure and and you know generate fluids and so forth. And so his brain wasn't functioning normally. Mm-hmm. And we have a we have a range of of expectations as far as what is functioning normally and what is not. And we've determined that you know. It, 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 it all boils down to um, our expectations, right? And so uh, we can't predict as easily how he's going to behave if he has a tumor, mm-hmm. right? And so, and, and he you can't could. predict it you either. You could, if you had, if you had all the, the, not the information, you could predict even with a tumor. Yes, okay, you could. Right. Okay. And, and, but we don't have all the information. And so, but, but we consider that to, but, but the point is that he can't tell the difference. That's, see, that's, that's, that's part of it too. His brain isn't op- operating normally. And so he, so he doesn't, you know, he can't control, he can't control himself. He, you know, he talked about how he didn't want to do it, but he, he felt a strong compulsion. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was against what he wanted to do. It's, it's, he didn't want to do that. He, he just did it. So if, if we like were to do kind of a, a different um, kind of thought experiment, and, and if we use like, say, a mad scientist, let's say he creates a video game, and, and you're the main character in this, and he, he's controlling every move you make by mm-hmm. implanting thoughts into your head. So everything you think of and about – and how mm-hmm. you think of and about it is determined um, sequentially by this mad scientist. Are you free? If if he's the one who's controlling, yeah. So if what ev- I do, yeah. So if everything you think about, think of and about, um, is is determined by something other than you. Oh by yeah, the mad then, scientist then no, sequentially, right? Because- Right, my brain would not be operating normally there. So, 
because that's not, uh, or at least as far as we know, unless the Calvinists are right. <laughs> right. Then, no, yeah, they're, they're you, definitely not as, right, man. Okay. They're, as far as far as what we know, that's not the case for us. And so that would be an, another situation of an abnormal I think you and I brain or mind or self. Both agree that the Calvinists are wrong. Maybe for different reasons. <laughs> I don't care. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So um, <laughs> let me. Let me I, I would actually say I see no reason to believe that they're right. Okay, I'll just say they're wrong. How's that? I'll I'll say they're wrong. I'll I'll put the burden of proof on myself. So let's. Okay. So let's. Um. So when we're talking, we talked earlier, a little bit earlier about like rationality, about Mm -hmm. thinking about a couple of different things, and then Mm -hmm. and then picking the one that we think is the best. So if if everything that we um think of and about and how we think of and about it is determined by the chemicals in our brain, one chemical followed by the next, followed by the, how are we able to um, make a rational decision as just opposed to that's the decision that, that the chemicals are going to have me decide on. Wait, are you talking about the chemicals that are you or the chemicals that are, are are you talking about chemicals that are not you? Well, I'm just talking about those. No, I'm talking about those those dominoes. I call I consider them dominoes or chemicals in your brain that are falling. If everything everything okay. you think of and about and how you think of and about it is determined mm-hmm. by the ke- previous chemical by the previous chemical, then then how are you able to deliberate and say yes, this is the best option? Because how you think about it is determined, as well because, as what yeah, you think because about. De- because that kind of deliberation is the normal operation of your of your brain or your mind. So, but but are you? So so you're thinking about um, if there is a god or if there isn't a god, and mm-hmm. not only your thoughts about God and not God, but also how you think about them mm-hmm. are, are all determined, then then how is it that you can say, yeah, I deliberated and I, I, I chose the best one. Wouldn't you have just chosen the one that the, the chemicals have, have led you to? Or am I confusing what you would call you? You, you say you are the cause. And I'm mm-hmm. saying chemicals, like the, the or the dominoes in your head. You just consider the, that you. There are well, I I don't think that's very controversial to say that out of you know, there's a difference between your brain and a chair, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, your brain is part of you, isn't it? Right. We're we're all just matter in motion, though. Right, but some of that matter in motion is you, and some of it is not you. Correct. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I say you. That includes the, those pieces of matter that are considered part of you. Mm-hmm. And some of those things determine what you do and determine how you think. If, you're, if, you are, if, if your normal processing of your brain would go through that kind of a rational decision, then you'll make a rational decision. If the part of, your, if the part of you, if the, if the atoms that make up your decision-making process do not act that way, then you won't act that way. See, it, it seems to me as if, if, if we would consider determinism like so, a, a puppet on strings, um, it, it seems to me as you're saying, who cares if Pinocchio here is on strings? 
Pinocchio's the one doing it. And I, I'm saying, but but he's attached to these strings, which are are having right, him so the, do that. So so I don't know how you, Pinocchio could really do those things himself if 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 these these wires and these you know are controlling sure. him. So like you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah, and 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 so if we think back to our that first thought experiment that I gave you, right? We've we've agreed that. It doesn't. You don't necessarily have to actually have other choices. What, what's important there is the control. In that first example, when you were wandering around in the dark, you were in control of your body. You know, we we agreed that that was a, clearly an example of free will. But then when we turn on the lights, we realize, oh, that that I didn't have any other options. But you know, you were still making the decisions. So so the and, but but I wasn't. The, the, whoever's holding the puppet strings. Are, are, so are making w- the decisions, right? Um, what, right. And I would say, as a Calvin, the Calvinists would say that, well, that would be God holding the puppet strings, and the naturalists right. would say, well, that would just be matter in motion, right? Uh, that, that that are holding the puppet strings. So yes, no, I would say if if there are puppet strings, mm-hmm. like you mean, like like I think that you mean, yeah, puppet like Pinocchio, strings, you know, like yeah, like the yeah. thing above it is determining that would be a where it goes. that would be a brain that's not operating normally. There, there aren't any puppet strings into my head. I don't know about yours. No, what I mean by puppet strings when we when we're talking about this is that the chemical mm-hmm. or the, the 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 firings of your brain that happened uh, a millisecond ago is the thing that is determining what is going on in your brain now, which will determine right. what's going on in your brain next. Which and so while you right, but physically, those chemical firings were me. Those chemical firings were not chemical firings in the chair. Right. But they were chemical fire. They were me. They were part of me. That's my thinking process is chemical firings. Right. But just because it's just because it's in me, does it mean that it is not determined? Right. So right. that's why I'm a compatibilist. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out how. So. So by your definition, everything is determined, but because um, because nobody is actually lifting up my arm and and grabbing hold of the microphone and moving it now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm free, even if all these other things have actually determined for me to do this. Since I'm actually the one doing it, I'm free. No, since you are the most significant proximal cause of your actions. Okay. If 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 the if the firings in your brain are significantly contributing to that decision, mm-hmm. then to the to the extent that they are significant, that's the extent that you are mm. the one act. You know, you are the one that is initiating that action. Hmm. Yeah, that seems. If if if, <clears throat> if the if the firings in my mind are not as significant, say for example. Um, you know, if I was, you know, in the case where I had my my neck was severed and the mad scientist was controlling my body, right? Mm-hmm. So in the, in that case, the firings in my brain don't aren't aren't attached to my body, and so they are not contributing to the actions of my body. It seems like the mad scientist in our particular analogy is physics and biology. Would you disagree with that? Like that's what we are basically. Uh, We're physics and biology. No. 
And so again, so that, like I said before, you're falling for the uh, the distinction between uh, prescriptive laws of nature and descriptive laws of nature. Prescriptive laws of nature, we we don't know. We don't know if we don't know if something is forcing, uh, you know, uh, the Earth to go around the sun according to you know Kepler's laws of motion and Newton's laws of motion or whatever laws of motion mm-hmm. you want to talk about. Um, you know, we don't know if there's something forcing it to do that. We just know that it's doing it, and that you know that's the way science works. Mm-hmm. We observe and we describe, and so we can describe that's how it works, right? That's how, that's how that's how planets move. And so we can say, well, this is how brains work is they take information from the environment, they process it a certain way, and then they act on it. Okay. The processing and the action, that's the you part. That's the, that's the, that's where the free will is coming into play. If my brain is acting normally and I am the most significant proximal cause of my actions, just like when I fire the gun at somebody, Sure, there were things leading up to firing the gun, even if you are a libertarian free will mm-hmm. believer, right, right? Right, right? Even if you are thinking that, there are still factors. Maybe that person just, you know, murdered your family or, or you know, something like that, right? So, so there are going to be contributing factors to, for you to decide. And then there's also factors that are contributing to their death after you pull the trigger, right? The bullet travels through the air, right, right. it rips through their body, severs, ner- you know, the uh, arteries or et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so, but we would, we would call that decision-making process that occurred in the brain of the shooter. If their brain was operating normally and not under, you know, undue influence by drugs or tumors or mad scientists or whatever, if, you know, if they are a significant proximal cause to the actions, then they're acting freely. And it, so then it seems though that we know, have this, this thing though, where, where you consider the physics and the biology of of you as uh-huh. as being just influences when it seems to me that the biology and the physics th- that no, is no I, I don't i don't consider those is, influences okay so like i would concur though that right that there are influences that that you know that on uh-huh. us that um as far as I'm concerned with free will that help us uh, usually lean us one way or another. But ultimately I would say that I am not being forced by my physics and biology to do something. I would, I would agree that I would say that as well. We are not being forced by physics or biology. Hmm. Physics and biology are not something that forces anything. Physics and biology are descriptions of behavior. Physics and biology describe how I make the decision. But but if physics and biology aren't the things that make that decision, what then? As as a as me. as yeah, but what is me? When you say me, you're talking about biology and physics. So No, I'm physics and biology describe how I work. They're not what's making me work that way. What makes They're you just descri- like so, so you're saying that that biology and physics is um, is not you, but I think as a naturalist, that's that's what you have. That's all you have is is physics and biology. You have nothing. Physics and biology are a description of the way nature works. Okay, so but physics and biology. When 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 a when a tree is falling, it doesn't consult the physics book to decide which way to fall. Right. It just behaves normally. It and physics notices regularities in those in those behaviors and says, oh, all right, whenever we're on a hill that's facing this way, the trees all fall that way. Mm-hmm. 
So the physics doesn't make the trees fall that way. The physics describes the way that trees fall when they're in that situation. But wouldn't it be like what I'm trying to get at is those of us that believe in free will and believe we have a soul would say that uh-huh. we have the, the, the physics and biology and, and, and nature, whatever that is, you know, operating uh-huh. um, within our physical bodies, but we can override those physical processes. Right. And so what I'm asking you is, so if, so if then, you're should, just, then you should be able to fly. If you're just, no, w- within our own nature, we, we were able to do those things that, um, so m- my biology could, could tell me, man, I really got to pee right now. Right. But I, I can will myself to, 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 to not go here at the microphone and wait a few uh-huh. more minutes until we have a break to go to the bathroom. So like right. the, the physics and biology aren't, causing me or or determining me to do something uh, my mm-hmm. soul is can override those things and but what i'm saying is if if all you have is biology right what then is no you? i have much more than biology so if if you are just chemicals if you are just nature right uh matter mm-hmm. what then is the you of if it's not that the same thing that differentiates the Mona Lisa from any other painting. It's not, it's not the matter itself. It's the arrangement of matter that makes me, me. But it doesn't seem like it's, the arrangement was up to you. Why, why did it have to be up to me? Well, because... We're not, talking about, we're not talking about how did I become the person I am. We're talking about can I act freely. Well, we're talking about is, is your actions um, caused or determined by anything prior to, Right. And so determined, yes, caused that's up for up for grabs. Determined doesn't necessarily mean caused, right? Determined just means, like we said, if if I know what my wife is going to order for dessert, that doesn't mean I'm causing her to order that. Right. But I would say to determine something, but I would say that your biology and your the things going on in your brain, uh, you know, the synapses firing and things like that, that one Mm -hmm. one determines the next which determines the next right uh-huh. which determines the next so right wh- but that doesn't mean you? it had to be that way yeah. that just means it's going to be that right. way right but wh- i i am i am those atoms those chemicals i am those those are me but the you can't control those chemicals those chemicals control you no those chemicals are me R- right but those chemicals just do Chem- chemicals aren't, so, aren't, aren't like a, it, not like a, it's not like you can get a conglomerate of ammonia together and now all of a sudden we have consciousness and we have this, um, you know, these abilities. Right. To consciousness. Do so, right. A conscious, a conscious brain has to be, you know, there's certain things that have to, you know, there's, there's a vast, it's a e- extremely complex, you know, the human brain is the most complex thing we've, we know of in the known universe, right? It's the most complicated thing we've ever seen. So, so it's not it's not that I'm just any old lump of atoms and stuff, right? But right? It, I'm I'm not the same as a chair. I'm an incredibly elaborately arranged set of uh, you know protons, neutrons, all right, whatever. Let's move on to question because I'm not sure I understood uh, Daniel Dennett, and so I'm hoping you can okay. clarify something. So 
he talks about an evolutionary argument for compatibilism and everything that I've read from him and, um, and the videos that I've watched about him. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually listened to a couple really good debates between him and Sam Harris. Oh, you want to talk yeah. about contentiousness. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I, I read a uh, Dennett's um, basically rebuttal to Sam Harris's free will book. And mm-hmm. it was, it was pretty rough. Like he, Beat mm. Harris up pretty good. And then Harrison returned. And then finally Harris is like, hey, can't we all just get along? And so they had like this conversation. But I, I didn't I, I wasn't understanding where Dennett was trying to go with evolution and um and how that contributes to um um you know decision making or or searching after truth. Because it seems to me that if if we are if we are built to are built for survival, we're not necessarily mm-hmm. aimed at truth. I mean, we might happen on truth, right. and a lot of truth probably works well with survival, but not all the time. Yeah. So right. So I, I wasn't following how he was connecting the dots. I didn't know if you could or not. I don't mean to put you on the spot. I was just uh, wondering yeah, like, if I'd- you have any idea of of that evolutionary kind of argument for compatibilism. Um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar. To be honest, I'm, I, I'm, I'm familiar with, with what Dennett has written. And I, and I know that, um, I, I have a tendency to agree with what he describes as uh, a type of free will worth having. Um, I'm not familiar with anything that he calls an evolutionary argument for compatibilism. Was there a specific question or a specific statement that he made? Well, I mean, I'm really sure. Yeah. I've, I've, I was, um, like I, he he basically is kind of claiming, at least from what I understand, that that as we have evolved, that um, the kind of like the natural selection and and you know choosing the things best for survival and things like that have uh-huh. have somehow properly suited us for uh, you know making these decisions that at least seem free for rationality. Yeah. And I'm, I was, I was trying to kind of piece that together, but I, I, well, I, I think it, I think we can see how being rational would have survival value, right? But it's not the only thing that has survival value. There are other things too. And, and I, and we've, we talked extensively on this podcast about how human beings are, you know, have a natural tendency towards irrationality to some extent. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we see it every day, pretty much all day. Anybody who spent five minutes on the Internet sees irrational, you know, people acting irrationally. And so and, you know, that's kind of what you would expect mm-hmm. from, you know, in, in an evolutionary uh, environment is that you would expect things, you know, to, things to be not perfect. Right. We're just a bunch of uh, Band-Aids and duct tape and, you know, short term solution after short term solution. Yeah. Eventually we stumble onto some long term solutions. Our brains are designed to and by designed, of course, I'm using that right. in the in the loose, loose sense. <laughs> um, our brains have maybe I'll say it correctly. Our brains have evolved to <laughs> um, to to behave a certain way. And and there is some survival uh you know, so some survival behavior there as well. Um, I, I lost track of what I was saying. Um, no, I mean, I think I get where you were going with, with that. And I, I mean, I think that makes sense to a certain point. Um, right. Uh, but so like, let me throw one more thing by you before we kind of wrap things up. 
Um, sure. uh, I'm going to throw this um, quote at you, and in, in, in I want to see what you how you respond to that, and then um, you know if you have any last remarks about this whole free will debate, um, you could do mm-hmm. that then, and then I'll wrap things up. So the uh, quote is obviously from Sam Harris in his free will book. And he says, free will is an illusion. Our wills are simply not of our own making thoughts and intentions emerge from background causes of which we are unaware and over which we exert no conscious control. We do not have the freedom. We think we have, you are not in control of your mind because you as a conscious agent are only part of your mind living at the mercy of the other parts. And then he goes on to say what we I mentioned earlier, you can do what you decide to do, but you cannot decide uh, what will, what you will decide to do. And so right. I want to get your thoughts on, on his quote there. Um, well, I, I do enjoy the talks that, uh, uh, Dennett and Harris have had, and and uh, there was one particular one I remember distinctly listening to it while I was on my honeymoon in Canada, and it was uh, this was after uh, much of the back and forth that you were describing that you know Harris had a book and was it the one Dennett when they were in a bar? And, yes, I listened to that. One. That's the one. Yes, I listened to yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. I, I really I really enjoyed that one, and they did kind of make up a little bit, but I I think one of the biggest differences between their their. Uh, perspectives is not so much that they disagree, although that might be part of it, but I think that they, I think that they disagree with what exactly free will is. Okay. And so, um, for, for Dennett's point of view, it doesn't, he's not talking about being able to decide what you want. He's talking about being able to decide the way that you act. Okay. And so, um, yeah, being able to having free will doesn't mean you have to be able to control the whole universe. Okay, be, having free will means that you can make decisions based off of the information that you're given, and and, and much of it is conscious and much of it is unconscious. And so um, I, I think, and and this might just me. I'm, I'm a fan of both of theirs, and so this might just me. Tr- my you know, it might just be my irrational brain trying to. <laughs> Uh, trying to gloss over the this fight between the two of them, which kind of boiled over a little bit, but they have since, or at least as far as I know, have since kind of at least cooled down a little bit. Although I I don't know if uh, Dennett's ever been on on Harris's podcast, but um, I I don't think there's that much of a difference between what they're saying. I don't think free will mean. I don't think having free will means you have to be able to decide what you want. I don't. I don't. In fact, I think that is is just a loot. I mean, how could you decide, you know, how could you decide what you want? You'd have to, you'd have to figure out what you want to want. I think that, I think the idea was, is that, is that we could override, um, whatever chemicals in our brain is deciding that is going to happen. Right. So that kind of, well, if if you're, if you're, if your body is acting differently than your mind is commanding it to, then that's not, no, so that's like, not right. an action of free will, right? So we we would yeah. say that we actually can can override the 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 chemicals in our mind. Um, if you could do, if you could override the chemicals in your mind, that would mean your body is acting in such a way that your brain doesn't want it to. So it seems to me that when I was at that fire, and mm-hmm. and my brain, my mind was saying, "Hey, you need to get out." It was uh-huh. it was my will that made that decision 
to override those chemicals in my brain and go in. No, your will was part is part of those chemicals in your brain. You, there was competing. There was competing desires there. You, 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 you had your fear response. You had your fear response. You know, maybe you get nervous, or maybe your palms start to sweat, or whatever. I imagine everything on you sweating in fire. But you know, so you have you have some desire to want to run, and you have some desire to not run. Like I said, you 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 know took a great responsibility, and and you you. You know, you probably considered that to be uh, a commitment on your part. You've, you had value for the, the people that were in there that you were saving for maybe for the property to, to a lesser extent, hopefully, than, than the people and so on. And so, and, and so when you say I override my, I overrode my, you know, the chemicals in my brain. No, it was some chemicals in your brain wanted to do one thing and some chemicals in your brain wanted to do another thing. I'm anthropomorphizing right, there. Right. Chemicals don't actually want things, but they, they, re- right. they, the, pa- the patterns of those chemicals represent a desire in, right. in your brain and, and so forth. And so you have these competing, you have these competing desires. Do you think everybody would have acted that way in that case? No, because they're going to be different. Some people don't have the, the sense of responsibility that you have. Some people don't have the care about other human beings that you have. Some people wouldn't oh, risk their Scott, own life. Scott, it was nothing like that. It was just that I'm very brave. It was the, <laughs> the bravery. That's what bravery is. Okay, that's what bravery is, is having those competing, you know, understanding that there's a, a risk to your personal self, but then, but you have those other competing desires in there that are more beneficial to society and for others around you. That's why we value people that are brave, because it, if I'm around brave people, then I am more likely to survive and pass on my genes. So this, and so, okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Go on. Nope, that, that was I was going to say that... Uh, this is something that we could probably pick apart and nitpick um, all night and throughout. We wouldn't be the first to ever do it. <laughs> it, it just seems like um, even though we try to define things and even though we try to be careful in how we say things, I can't help but think that, um, you know, that there's still things that have just gone completely past us, you know, um, oh, obviously, sure. and it, like, you I'm know, sure. like trying to help you understand how I understand something and maybe unable to verbalize it uh, the way I want or, or the way you need to happen to understand how, uh, how I understand it. It's so difficult. We could probably do this all night, but I guess my last thing is, is I'll give you uh, I'll let you uh, a minute or so here. Give me your thoughts on this whole debate, this whole idea of free will and, uh, compatibilism and such, and then I'll um, I'll wrap us out. I'll close us out. Okay. Uh, well, I don't have a prepared statement Come or anything. Um, you know, I, I, I would just say that um, you know it, and, and you know, even thinking back to to what you were saying on the last episode, when you know about your epiphany, right? You you were you were had trouble thinking the way that I was thinking, and so and then all of a sudden it dawned on you, oh, that's how he was thinking. Well, we both do that all the time, you know, all of us, everybody does that all. We're all in our own ruts. Right. And so, um, I agree with you that I think that, uh, dis- I think discussions on free will are valuable. We, we didn't even really touch on the idea of responsibility and blame right, and that right, kind of thing. Right. You know, there's a whole other, there's, you know, a whole other, uh, you know, f- uh, rainforests full of, full of stuff for us to, Explore. That was an odd analogy there. Um, but but the idea that we, you know, the fact that we're talking about it, I think, is is important. And, um, you know, 
yeah, you're you're saying how you just you couldn't really get the, get what I was saying, and and I could say the same about you. You know, I I I can't really see things from your perspective, and and I know that the more we talk about it. Um, you know, maybe we'll chip away at you. Maybe we'll chip away at me. Maybe we won't. Maybe, you know, maybe the two of us together will discover some previously undiscovered truth. Who knows what? But um, but I appreciate that you were willing to sit with me uh, and have a discussion for what about over an hour and a half now um, about about this. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's very easy for it's very easy for people to get frustrated yes. talking to each other like this because they expect the other person to see things from their perspective. Right. And so um, I think that I think the free will discussion uh, is valuable on its own, but I also think it's also an excellent um, um, magnifying glass to, you know, to point at this particular uh, problem of communication right. And, um, you know, yeah, so, I, I just appreciate, I, I thank you for, for having this talk. Yeah, this was, uh, it was good for me because, um, obviously believing in this idea of a soul and that that mm-hmm. is the first mover, that is the, uh, decision maker of all things. Um, it, it's really hard for me to understand. We, and uh, we, we never even touched right. on me, me picking away at that. Right. So right. Right, you're right. Um, well, because I know you would disagree, obviously that, mm-hmm. that human beings have a soul. So, um, but maybe we can have a spinoff. Oh, maybe we can have, maybe we can maybe, uh, go back yeah, to the instant yeah, replay. Maybe. The, um, <laughs> so, so it's hard for me to see exactly what you mean. Um, by compatibilism, you know, that that's difficult for me to understand. Well, if everything's determined, you know, you know, how is it that that free will fits in? But I, I do think I understand um, compatibilism better now that we've had this discussion. I mean, I thought I understood it, and I think I really do understand compatibilism great from a, a theistic point of view, you know, that theistic mm-hmm. component, um, because we don't have to worry about biology and previous history and all these other influences. You don't have to worry about any of that in compatibilism as far as uh, in a theistic understanding, because God is that right. You know what I'm saying? Like Uh he is the decider of all things. So um, it's just much easier to understand that perspective than, than obviously, you know, we're throwing in all these, um, you know, all these influences and all these things that, um, you know, would kind of direct our path. So compatibilism from a theistic sense is, is much easier for me to understand, but I think I do understand Uh naturalistic, this naturalistic kind of compatibilism a little bit better. And I definitely think this is, I I don't speak for all, I I don't speak for all naturalists, by the way, what what I'm saying. All right. Yeah. I just, I I just throw you in that, that, that lump of, I, I basically stereotype <laughs> you and all other. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in that pile of paint that's on right, that particular right, canvas, yeah. right? So yeah, I, okay. I definitely think this is round one, and I th- I think something is cool that the um, that our listeners maybe could take from. I, I, it's probably not often you take something from me, but I, I think that this is a good point, uh, if I do say so myself. And that is that <laughs> the the more I have these discussions and. Uh, and, and then, the, then the more I research it after the fact, I, mm-hmm. I think the discussions are the beginning because I found that not only through uh, deeper study have I gained more clarity, but mm-hmm. I, I think I've also that I've also came closer to truth. If that makes sense, you know. So, like, 
I, I, I could clearly see someone else's position, even though I may not agree with it. So that, that, that deeper study has helped me to like with the moral component we talked about uh, before how I had that epiphany. It was only uh-huh. through further study of the moral argument. Right. Like I, w- I was thinking to myself, how, how, how could Scott be so wrong on this? Like, how does he not see this? <laughs> right. Like what, how, how can I explain this any simpler to this guy? Like, and then it was only <laughs> through that, that I was able to understand where you were coming from, still thinking you were uh-huh. wrong, but it doesn't matter. I got, clarity yeah and that was yep, like that's right that was like huge for me and so i think that for everybody this should be and it will be for me so now that i know your position better i can now go and research more things so next time i can tear it apart you even can bring better. out the big guns <laughs> right, right. right, right. <laughs> anyhow i've painted a big target on my chest all right? right listen it's not fire it's away. not often i can throw rocks at your house and i uh, get the opportunity <laughs> to do that so uh, yeah, good discussion. That was Free Will by your dialectic duo. And that was Free Will or Compatibilism, or we were determined to do it. We're, we're not quite sure, but uh, we're, we are. <laughs> oh, that old side. chestnut, that Let's old say, chestnut, oh, right? <laughs> listen, that, that sucker will always roast, all right? That chestnut will always roast. We'll drag right, that right. out every time. So uh, that was... Uh, I guess, fruitful discussion. I mean, we ended up in the weeds. We pulled ourselves back out. Uh, I think we ended up back in the weeds again. Uh, but, you know, but the, at, the very, at the very least, it was interesting. And if and if it wasn't interesting, at least it was interesting for us. Okay. <laughs> that's right. We don't care about you guys. Right. This is this, our primary is goal is just to entertain ourselves. <laughs> that's right. right. So. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of entertaining ourselves, uh, this next little bit is our spin the wheel. So, uh, Scott, let's get spinning. All right, spin it. Spin that wheel. Okay, here we are for the spin the wheel bit. And so that's what we're doing now, where uh, I'll spin the wheel and give a uh, surprise Jamie with a question or or a discussion topic, and he'll have two minutes then to come up with his response, and then we... We do the whole thing in reverse where he, where he asked me a question. So first, are you ready to do this, Jamie? Let's do you it. Ready to roll? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So uh, we're going to spin the wheel. All right, Jamie. So uh, this might not come as a huge surprise because I know we've we've uh, touched on this topic uh, in talks with each other before. But your your subject here is the intersection between politics and religion, and it has to do with uh, you know a lot with some um, current events. And it seems like uh, re- in the last couple of years, especially, there's been a, a significant tying between. Uh, the political right and the religious right or the, you know, conservative religion and, and evangelicals in particular. Uh, some things that I want to mention were, um, for example, famously from Minnesota, um, Michelle Bachman, right? Mm-hmm. Former, former congressperson, Michelle Bachman. And mm-hmm. she said that she thought that uh, Donald Trump was the most biblical, biblical president ever. Uh, and there's been other things too. There's been, um, uh, especially in the last few months, there's been 
uh, some well-known uh, televangelists and other other religious figures saying things like, you know, that you know God is going to punish us if we don't vote for Trump and things like right, that. Right. But then there's also more practical things like um, uh, like the embracing of Trump, you know, when he was first when he was first elected, I remember think people would describe him as being a baby Christian. You know, they talk about, well, what about all these things he's done in the past? It's not very Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and even you know, recently we had this this kid in Wisconsin who went who who shot some people, and there's actually a Christian website that raised a lot of money for his for his defense. And so, my question to you is. What what is your take on this? To me, there seems to be a, a tying of, of a religious position with a with a political position that, in many ways, seems like an odd couple. Seems like a like like they're antithetical to each other. And so, um, what are your thoughts on that? And do you think that do you agree with that assessment, or do you disagree with that assessment? And if you agree with it, then how do you resolve that that difference? I only okay? got, and so I only I'll, got two I'll, minutes. You only got two minutes here, so uh, I'm gonna I'll get the timer ready and then we'll get it rolling here. Oh, two minutes on this. So I would say that uh, first of all, no one is neutral. It's not like um, it's not like somebody can go into politics and leave their religion at the door. It's impossible. Um, if you're religious, like I'm religious, it's your life. It, it isn't that um, I'm a Christian and that's just part of. Of, of who I am, I am a Christian. So every facet of my life revolves around um, God and, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. So, so, to, so to say, well, you know, hey, you know, leave your morality at the door, that's tough for us. And so I think that what you're seeing is as we become more polar opposite, and I, I think you would probably agree that we're seeing kind of a divide, uh, or at least it seems an even greater divide um, in ideology than ever before. The right is becoming more right and the left is becoming more left. And there's a lot of people in the middle just throwing their hands up in the air going, hey, who represents I'm gonna me? Qu- I'm going to quick in- interrupt you here. I'm going to quick interject and I'll give you some extra time at the end. But Go ahead, uh, I want to I redirect you. I'm more asking about the, the obvious uh, opposition uh, the the acceptance of 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 positions that are antithetical to what your beliefs are as a Christian or or whatever, and, and you know how how do you resolve that kind of thing? Well, I guess that depends on on what you mean on what particular positions. So when you look at say Donald Trump, I mean, what were our choices? Or our choices in the last election were Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? And I, I know that Donald Trump. I mean, I give Donald Trump a D minus in demeanor. Okay, like, here's the thing. I'm not voting for him for his um, demeanor. I'm voting for him for his ideology, specifically his ideology that he's going to bring uh, to the table when it comes to electing uh, conservative judges, which we've seen that hasn't helped very much because we've seen some conservative judges make some not so conservative rulings. Regardless, when you vote for somebody, you're voting for their platform and not their person. And we heard that time and time again during the Clinton administration, where Christians were like all up in arms, like, hey, you can't believe you're voting for this guy with his his moral failings. And everybody on the left was screaming, listen, 
is what he does in his private life is his private life and and he could separate the two and you know we're voting for him because what he can do for us politically in his ideology and so i think that's what you're finding with those on the right or those of us on the right that there mm-hmm. is a certain ideology that trump supports whether he may not be a very good person I'll grant you that. I'll grant you that he has some serious sins that are out there for the world to see. But I would mm-hmm. say two things to that. First of all, uh, you probably people would be horrified at some of the things I say and do uh, if it was out for the world to see. And uh, secondly, we can't if if it's between the two people, the two extremes, someone who's left and progressive or or at least appears or say that he's more right and conservative. I'm going to have to mm-hmm. vote vote for the ideology, not the right. Man. So that's on that's on election day. So that's how you cast your vote. I'm talking about not just a oh well, you know, we know he's not perfect, but you know, what else do we got? Kind of thing. We're talking about groups of people, groups of Christian people embracing this person, embracing this person, and and, and you know these things, and not saying. We know he does these bad things, but he's still, but he's going to help us to accomplish our goals. What they're saying is he's one of us. We're, we're in, you know, he's the most biblical president ever. Well, I think okay, when and, she and said so, that, I think what she meant by that is, isn't that he is the most moral person ever and that he's the most biblically faithful personally in his life. I think what they're saying hmm. is he, what she was uh, or trying to explain is that the stance that he takes politically, his ideology is the most biblical. He's the most pro-life president we've ever had. Um, and, th- th- you know, obviously there are other things that we would say as a Christian that support kind of the Christian ideology or whatever. And, yeah, and, like what? Well, I, well I, of course, a pro-life position is one. Other, yeah, so, other than that. Other um, than that. Religious freedom and freedom of speech. We would say that he that you would uh, say that he is in favor of that. Yeah, freedom of speech and um, freedom really? of religion. Yeah, I, I think that interesting. You think you don't think okay. that he's? Yeah, I would say that he's. I, that that's really the direct opposite of of his position. The freedom he's, of he, freedom of speech. Yeah. I, oh, definitely. How so? Well, he's 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 trying to cancel TikTok because he doesn't like what they say. Well, you know, I, I, I mean, that's that's just one one card out of the deck. But right. anyway, maybe maybe we've stumbled on something that could be a bigger, a larger discussion. I just I wanted to get your uh, I wanted to dip my toes in, into your brain. to yeah, see, I to don't see think, how you're, I don't your, think that your, we should attach ourselves to any person ever, ever, hmm. ever, okay. ever, because then you have people, non-Christians who somehow formulate in their mind mm-hmm. or correlate wrongly that person with Christianity. And that's false. That's demonstrably false. And Christians should never latch onto someone like that. I think the okay. best, most uh, most biblical way of, of doing, uh, quote, politics would be to say, listen, here are these certain ideologies that I agree with or disagree with, and I have mm-hmm. to choose somebody who's imperfect to represent those ideologies. And this yeah, is yeah, the person that's not, I think... That's not- that's not what I was asking about yeah. that aspect. So people, I understand that. You, you, know, yeah, you, you kind of view it as you're choosing the, you know, you're choosing whatever, you know, the closest, you know, it's it's right. the, the lesser of two evils. Right. right. I have to make right. a choice and to not vote 
uh, yeah, that's not, not I, that's not what I was asking. But yeah. I was interested more in the 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 meshing of. But but you seem to be separating yourself from those other groups of Christians that are embracing him, and they're saying this is what we want to be like. And and, and uh, um, but maybe we can maybe we can dive into that, uh, take a little deeper yeah. dive, and when we're a little bit more prepared. Uh, I also do find it curious that you uh, separated the idea of somebody being biblical and somebody being moral. So well, that's look at, interesting. Yeah, look uh, at uh, look at King, interesting Freudian slip there. Well, huh? well, look at King David, right? So uh, King David was a man after God's own heart, and time and time mm-hmm. again we see King David doing the godly, right, moral thing. Uh, but then we also see David on the top of his palace looking down at someone who's married in lust and then using his power to uh, basically force her uh, uh, into a sexual relationship and then killing her husband to cover it up. <laughs> so that is a man who we would say, uh, obviously, in every it's funny, every quote hero in the Bible we see they have failings and shortcomings just like we do. Right? right. But, but, but here you are pointing to those things and saying, those are failings and shortcomings. And that's not what's happening. Uh, you know, in, in the situation I was discussing, but we're, we're, we're going far afield from, from the question. So I may, let's uh, I think we should, I think we should move on. I, Did I, I answer I, your question I, I, or no, you, you, uh, you didn't answer the question directly, but the way that you answered the question that I asked gave me insight as to what your your answer to the question. And, and I think that you're uh, I think that you're a lot closer to the way I'm viewing it. Um, you're, you know, you're still saying if if somebody does a bad thing, we should call it a bad thing. Oh, um, yeah. You know, but, you know, but we'll still take them if the other person's worse. And that's a separate issue. Right. Um, what I what I was addressing was the was the seemingly embracing of these quote unquote bad things as and then being held up as this par- no, you know, paradigm yeah, of, no. of of something to be. But anyway, oh, but anyway, but we can go on. So you you need to ask me a question. I'm ready. And I and I and I get 17 minutes for mine too. Right? Is <laughs> Only that if I get to interrupt. <laughs> oh, okay. I got it. All right. All right, spin this wheel, baby. Spin it. Okay, here we go, Scott. You fell on uh, a naturalistic question, so okay, uh, and about methodology. So my question okay. for you is this: We've talked uh, on this podcast before, maybe not at length, but some about methodological naturalism and philosophical naturalism, and so I was okay. hoping that you could provide me with your definitions of both, and then explain to me or our audience where there is a distinction with a difference. Okay. So why you view those as two separate things and is there, is there a real difference, not just in name, but uh, Mm -hmm. in in principle. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on those two. And when you're ready, we will go. Okay. Well, well, first of all, some definitions, Um, roughly the way I would define, um, methodological naturalism is the idea that uh, the tools we have at hand, the tools we have available are natural, natural based tools like our, our senses and our brains and so on. And so the tools that we have, the, the, the way that we can uh, discover things, uh, those are 
naturalistic types of tools. And so it's not, um, it, I'm going to separate that from uh, what, I, what I'm calling philosophical naturalism. I understand that there are different definitions depending on the context. Uh, but the way that I would uh, use the term philosophical naturalism is the, uh, the assumption beforehand that there is nothing other than the natural. The assumption that's the key word there. The assumption that there is nothing other than the natural, so no need to bother looking in that direction. And I think just the way that I phrase those, I think highlight the um, uh, highlight the difference there. For for me, um, methodological naturalism is a practical uh, is a practical limitation. And um, like for example, if someone were able to demonstrate that some other method would would be, would yield reliable, uh, results, then I'd be fine with that. And, and, you know, but, but here I am just stuck with, you know, in this body using the things that I have. And, and so that's kind of my approach. Um, that the, the motivation I would say behind that distinction that I make is that, um, we need to, uh, accept our limitations. We need to um, accept that we do have a limited number of reliable tools to use. And so we don't want, and I'll go a little bit over, but not too long. Uh, we don't want to um, branch out. And if, if we start making assumptions about reality without having, uh, without having justification, you know, I would, I would say that that's my skepticism, uh, rearing its head there is that, you know, we don't have evidence that there is only the natural. Okay. And so, uh, and so I think that saying that I think is pushing things too far. Um, now, uh, we were reading the Richard Carrier book. Um, and I know we're going to pick that up again at some point soon here as well. Uh, but the way he des- defines uh, philosophical naturalism actually is what we discovered was kind of something more akin to the, what I'm describing as methodological naturalism. And I've also heard the reverse as well. And so, uh, so again, it depends on the context. But for me, the big difference is we, we know that the natural exists and we know that we have tools in nature that, that are effective. Um, but and, and the difference between then to philosophical is that you're you would be additionally making the assumption that there is nothing else and that I, I don't assume that this is all we have, um, you know, and I'm, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to show me that there is more then uh, you know, then I'm open to it. OK, on a, right. on a side note, it, it doesn't seem like that there's much of a practical distinction between the two, because if it, in the one case you say, well, there isn't a natural in the other case, you mm-hmm. say, I'm not going to consider the natural because I feel like these are the only tools and we need a whole separate toolbox in order uh-huh. in order to investigate the supernatural. Whereas I would say if if we're going to investigate the supernatural, it's going to take on or it's going to in some way affect in the natural realm. And so we use the same tools, um, mm-hmm. it, but it, it doesn't seem to me that there's any kind of real practical difference between the two. Well, I would say the the practical difference between the two would be in one's attitude towards the unknown. Okay, so the philosophical naturalist would be uh, would be making a blanket statement about about things that are unknown, and you know they're saying that that's not that's not part of it. You know that uh, the supernatural is just not there. There mm-hmm. there is no such thing. Uh, whereas a methodolo- methodological naturalist. I'm not saying that I know that these are the only tools we have available. What I'm saying is 
these are well these are these are the only thing tools that we know we do have available there might be other tools that are effective and if and if somebody were to show me the reliability and effectiveness of some of those other tools then i would i would be fine with using them it seems like uh if we were looking for like wood in 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 on the beach the uh-huh. philosophical naturalist would be using a metal detector saying uh, no need to even think about wood because it doesn't even exist. And the metal, methodological naturalist would be still using a metal detector saying, well, this is what I have. Doesn't look like there's any wood here. You know what I'm saying? So it seems to me like the conclusion's the same, regardless of which one you use. Uh, um, per- perhaps, but I think the, the, it, the, to define the situation a little more closely to what I'm saying, um, it, it's as if somebody was, it, if I told you to go out and, and look for, or you told me to go out and look for wood. And the only thing I had was a metal detector. Mm-hmm. And so I could say, well, I can, you know, I can give it a shot, but I don't expect to find anything, but I'll, but this is the, only, it's either use the metal detector or do nothing. Mm-hmm. That those are, those are the, those are the options. Unless you were to say, but wait a minute, I have this, you know, this wood detector. And I can say, oh, cool, you know, show me how it works. And, and, and you know, if you show me that it works, you know, say, here's some wood, here's some not wood. Notice how the wood detector uh, effectively identifies the wood and, and effectively says no when there's no wood, but the metal detector doesn't do that. And then I'd say, oh, cool, give me the wood detector then. So basically, you're, um, while your attitude is different, obviously, be, between philosophical and methodological, I'm just not mm-hmm. sure. I'm just not sure the end result would ever be any different. Um, with the tools we currently have. So with the toolbox we have now. The end, right, right. The end result would be different if somebody could demonstrate some tool other than a naturalistic tool. But we don't know what a demonstration is or what it looks like or what demonstration would convince anybody. Right. Well, I, I, I guess we won't until we find out. <laughs> okay. You know that yeah, would that it. would that would be up to the up to the person trying to make the case that there are there there are other tools. Okay. Very good. Okay. That's it. All right. And so that will wrap it up for this edition of Spin the Wheel. And that about wraps it up for episode number 18. Please send us your ideas, questions, and comments to email at godornotpodcast.com. If you'd like to know more about the topics covered in this episode, Scott, what do you recommend? I recommend uh, a book called Freedom Evolves, and it's by um, a philosopher by the name of Daniel Dennett. And uh, his his view on free will coincides very much with with my own. He is a uh, um, a compatibilist, and a uh, and so he in his book he talks about freedom and free will, and and specifically he he talks about what he calls uh, a free will worth having, a type of free will worth having. I think a lot of times when people disagree or, or can't come to, uh, you know, can't come to the same conclusion about free will. It has to do with the way that they define what is free will. What is this thing that we, that we all think that we have. And so, um, so uh, Dennett talks a lot about what he calls, like I said, a a free will worth having and uh, how that uh, is compatible with uh, a deterministic or a largely deterministic, at least uh, universe. And and he also talks about how, um, how the process of evolution in, in, in human, ele- human evolution kind of helped develop this, um, this sense of free will and, and, uh, and so on. So that was Freedom Evolves by Daniel Dennett. 
And so what's so what you got on your list there? Uh, for me, it's Philosophy of the Mind by Edward Fazer. This was uh, this was a tough one, man. He's I mean, he's top notch and a lot of it was over my head. I had to read it twice, uh, but it deals a lot with consciousness and how we, um, you know, how we link that bridge from the brain to the mind, mm-hmm. how we're able to have um, uh, like libertarian freedom of the will. So that's philosophy of the mind by Edward Fazer. All right. We want to say thank you for joining us, and we hope that you'll be back with us next time when Scott and I will be talking about Sweep the Legs Part 1. And this is where uh, Scott tries to debunk or tear down my arguments, uh, the first couple arguments that I made, that the origin of the universe and that morality implies some kind of God. Yeah, we'll be breaking out the fine-tooth comb. Fine-tooth comb. So until then... This is your dialectic duo reminding you to talk to each other. See ya. This has been the God or Not Podcast. Send your questions or comments to email at godornotpodcast.com. If you'd like to support the show or grab some God or Not gear, please visit the website at www.godornotpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.